Hello, and welcome to Sports View with Simon Rivacaba. I'm your host, Simon Rivacaba. Uh, Monday, August 16th, 2021. Today's episode dedicating to, uh, just from coming back from the weekend recap, uh, we have preseason football going on. Uh, baseball got in full swing. We talked uh, baseball last Friday and didn't get a chance to get into the boxing. It was a heavy loaded uh, boxing uh boxing events so i'm going to dedicate this to uh the, the weekend recap of boxing which is a subject i'm little familiar with and that i don't mind talking about anytime so yeah busy busy boxing action that i didn't get into on friday uh on the preview but now i'll, I'll uh, recap all of it uh with with the with the main events um and then uh we'll be back wednesday with the with the midweek report and so anyway we have uh the, the big news, the big fight was uh, Virgil Ortiz over the Mean Machine, uh, and a lot's being made. Virgil, Virgil was still the test, and somewhere it was said that uh, he turned down Terrence Crawford, or he has already in the past. Virgil's people deny it; they, or at least Virgil denies it. So I don't know if if Golden Boy had a had an opportunity to make the match and they declined it. That would be one thing. But I know Virgil. You know, I was introduced to Virgil. At Robert Garcia's gym, by James Dominguez of the uh, of the Punchline uh, with Kelly Pavlik and James Dominguez, we we went down there the week that we did the week that uh what well, was a busy week we went on a networking trip to Los Angeles meet Kelly Pavlik and James Dominguez when Kelly appeared on uh, the Joe Rogan Experience on January 9th, two thousand nineteen. That week we also did the media day for Pacquiao and Broner, and then on the last day of the uh, after a hectic week of networking and. I think I came back from that trip, uh, from that Los Angeles trip, think, uh, maybe with about eight or nine hours sleep total in the six days I was there. But that, we just, we overbooked ourselves and we wanted to get our name out there as much as possible and talk to as many people as we could. Uh, but anyway, so uh, on the last day, we did go to Riverside, California to Robert Garcia's uh, Boxing Academy. And that's where I saw Virgil Ortiz train for the first time. That uh, the fighter that they've always raved about on on the Kelly Pavlik and on the on the podcast, uh, the Punchline with Kelly Pavlik and James Dominguez. Uh, and I'm the, the website editor. Uh, the podcast is is website is Punchline Live, which I'm the editor of. And uh, you'll be seeing. And I know I keep saying it, but you will. Uh, it'll be coming back up soon. We've had a long delay in that and there's been there's been issues there i won't i won't get into but health issues and and stuff like that that have kept me from uh focusing on it or, or uh, maintaining it as much as i would like as an editor but uh, we'll get that going again and, and stay tuned for all that stuff uh, along with what i have going on now at the sports view and in other publications that i write for but um but my main one is the punchline and that's the one i look forward to to the one taking off other Besides, of course, you know this new this new project, which which I would, can only hope for, but it's a labor of love either way. But anyway, I saw Ortiz fight, and I, I didn't need to see him that long to make me a believer that he was a uh, he was to me the best prospect, up and coming prospect in boxing. Now people criticize uh, he got staggered in the second and in the third round and and overcame those. But the Mean Machine, first time I saw him fight was in Reno, Nevada on a Shakur Stevenson undercard. And he had this hook that, I mean, he was just landing this left hook like crazy, and it was sounding off. I even heard Christina Poncher talk about how, how loud his hooks were from ringside. 
And I was thinking the same thing. And then I heard her say it, you know, backstage uh, during a break that, you know, his his hooks were just sounding off. I mean, so he does have pop and his only loss was to Terrence Crawford. So give Virgil more credit for overcoming it and for not going down than for the fact that he got hit and got staggered. Uh, There's been some since then, you know, uh, I think Eddie Chambers has gone on record as saying he thinks that Boots Ennis, uh, would dominate uh, Ortiz. Sorry, we got a plane flying by over the uh, studio and or my makeshift home studio. But uh, yeah, so Boots Ennis, uh, Eddie Chambers predicted that, and and a lot of the a lot of fans feel the same way. And then that would be an, an exciting fight, excellent fight. And I would give Virgil a shot against anybody. And whether he's ready or not for Crawford, I I think he made a statement that he's ready for just, for anybody. I mean, he's just I I would. Not, I mean, he's not afraid to fight anybody, and and I wouldn't be afraid to put him in there if I was managing him and promoting him and let him let him go for it. Because I think, uh, I mean, he, he's he he passed the uh, the proving grounds as far as I'm concerned. And uh, and unfortunately, that, that is the one thing in boxing. If I uh, tell people that I think that Ortiz beats Ennis, uh, you know, uh, when I went to Mikey Garcia versus Earl Spence, I, I was picking Spence by decision, but but I thought that Mikey was going to put up a better fight. But everybody assumed, for me being a, a Mexican, uh, Me- Mexican, that I was going for Mikey Garcia. And it was almost under, uh, almost an understanding or a belief that if, if you were African-American that you were going for Spence and Mikey Garcia's uh, supporters were... There's a Mexican crowd, you know, it's like that with the fans. Um, honestly, as an expert, I'm gonna, uh, as a well, so-called expert, as a knowledgeable boxing guy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my educated opinion, and it's not based on color or race or the nationality of a fighter. Uh, you know, we have to put that away. But we've already talked about that in past episodes on the Punchline, or, or Kelly Pavlik and James Dominguez have addressed that issue, the racism uh, and prejudices that are around boxing boxing is still it's all it's like soccer you know you're going to get people behind their countrymen and in full support and they're going to root hard but as a as a reporter as a as a unbiased uh you know somebody that covers the sport uh when i go to an event i can't say well i'm going to go for the for the mexican and then if I pick a Puerto Rican over Mexican then i'm not then i'm not mexican enough and if, if i pick the filipino then, then yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a sellout. And if I pick the Mexican, then yeah, of course, you know, it's a given. Uh, so that's uh, that's what I always get from from boxing fans whenever I make any prediction and pick any fighter. There's always the the talk, but but I'll say that I I, I would give Virgil Ortiz a shot against anybody, including including Ennis, and, and I would probably pick him in that fight. And it'd be because of the power and the and the skills, and I think his ability to rise to the occasion, which I think he he would be able to do against a terrific fighter like Ennis. So, but that would be a great match. I mean, that, that's a fight we should see. Maybe, uh, maybe even as a title eliminator to Crawford. Uh, uh, I don't know what Bob Aaron with Top Rank is doing with it. They're kind of keeping him on a shelf. They talk a lot of crap about him not being a pay-per-view buy. So, I mean, they're almost dragging him out of top rank. Um, he, I believe he only has one fight left on the top rank deal. And then after that, he's a free agent. And when Johnny Tapia had one fight, you just be careful of who they match him up with and what they try to pull. I mean, 
Uh, Johnny Tapia's last fight was uh, on his contract. Well, well, his last two fights were the Pauli Ayala fight. You know, he lost the first fight, and that wasn't too controversial. Most people thought Ayala won, but the rematch, which turned was top ranks, uh, was Johnny Tapia's last fight for top rank, and, and the conspiracy theories and, and all that. But uh, Tapia's uh, family is, feels strongly that that they they had a, a screw job done to them on that rematch, knowing that it was the the last fight of his contract and Pauli Ayala had just uh, signed a, a, an extended contract or, or, or a longer term deal. Uh, be that as it may, um, I, you know, I, I don't buy the conspiracies as far as that. Cause I think, that, but I think the judges feel like they have to impress the promoters. So they sort of know who to vote for sometimes. And it, that that's the more corrupting in boxing with uh, the judging. Uh, that, that's long story short. I can I can break down the details one day, and and that would be a long, pretty long episode. But um, but but that's the gist of it: is uh, what's been happening through history, and what happens when uh, a judge is making more money than than most other uh, judging, um, you know, you know, um, assignments. They get a title fight like that, and then they feel they have to make a name for themselves and, and impress the promoter by how they vote. So that that's kind of been a longstanding belief and kind of mindset of, you know, fighters that, or judges that get those opportunities. But, uh, but no, Vir- Virgil, I think is ready for anybody. Don't make too much about him having been staggered. Cause mean machine would, uh, uh, and I, and I only say, it cause I don't want to butcher his name, but he's, uh, he can hit and he'll, he'll stun a lot of people. So, um, that, that's I'm not too. Imp- I'm more impressed that he he rebounded from that and he knocked uh, Mean Machine down five times in route to the uh, to the TKO in the eighth round. Uh, his trainer Robert Garcia, Virgil Ortiz's trainer, you know his 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 father trains him along with with Robert Garcia, but his father uh, Virgil Ortiz Senior was in the corner for the fight, and Robert Garcia wasn't there. Robert Garcia had a choice to make. He had Joshua Franco fighting the third fight with Andrew Maloney in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then he had Virgil Ortiz fighting Mean Machine. Now, the better business deal would have been working Virgil Ortiz's corner. He would have made more money than that. But he felt Joshua Franco needed his expertise more than, than Virgil. And it worked out. Virgil won with his dad in his corner. And uh, Robert Garcia led Joshua Franco through through a uh, win in the in their third in their grudge match. Uh, Franco won the first fight. The second fight, Maloney was looking good before uh, it was a punch. Then ruled a headbutt and then ruled a no contest that uh, stopped the fight. So Franco kept his title. Now in this third fight, most everybody thought Maloney would would be more convincing, and Franco stepped up again. And and this time. Uh, out of all the three battles, this was the most convincing of the of the three, as far as the victories and and Franco. Now in the undercard, uh, uh, Richard uh, Richard Greer, uh, Robert Greer of uh, he he lost to Maloney's brother Jason Maloney in a good fight. And in Greer, Mister Night Night, he came out with his own pillow and everything. He, I mean, he could he was a big fan favorite of the uh, of the younger kid, you know, the kids that were in the crowd when he fought on the Shakur Stevenson. Uh, um, undercard when Bert, when Stevenson won his uh, his world title in Reno, Nevada, um, and his name of the opponent so this is my name, the Golden Boy Fighter from LA, and I apologize for that. Uh, it's not on the top of my head right now, but uh, Greer fought on the undercard, and a lot of people 
a lot of the kids I noticed were were fan favorites of Greer because he brought out a pillow and called himself Mr. Night Night and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that was uh, I thought he was gonna become a star, and then he sort of has faltered in his career. The last few performances haven't been as impressive, and then he's lost now, I believe, two in a row or two out of three. But uh, but Jason Maloney's still got a future, and so does Andrew Maloney. I think he'll go, he should go back to Australia and kind of re- rebound and re- go back to the black the chalkboard. And and they're both talented, uh, both brothers. So we'll see what Bob Arum can do for me. He loves the Australian market and what what that brings uh, for for a fan base. Uh, Rio Casemiro beat uh, Rigandu. Now Rigandu, everybody criticizes his style. It's boring. Will put you to sleep. I mean, but look at the people he's beaten, you know, the likes of Nonito Donaire and, and, uh, you know, he lost to, uh, geez, I, uh, it's a late night. <laughs> uh, she, the, 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 well, Lomachenko, how can I, how can that guy slip my, <laughs> uh, Lomachenko beat him, but, but now downside of his career, uh, they want him to see him more exciting fight, more exciting style. And it's, it's a shame because they never said that about Perno Whitaker. But Perno Whitaker, towards the end of his career, when he didn't have his quick uh, footwork, he actually stood there and became a good counterpuncher and, and, and kind of traded more there towards the end of his career, made more, more exciting fights. But you can't force a guy to go against what they've always known if they have excellent boxing skills. It might not be your cup of tea. But if it shuts people out and and it's boring, then so be it. But if they keep winning, you know what what the you know you, they just want everybody to trade blows in the center of the ring and see who wins a fight. You know it's it's called boxing, not fighting. And so uh, you know there is a skill and an art to the sport. And if you decide to be a Picasso like uh, fighter in the ring, you know and it's not what the fans want to see, not what the fans like. But it's not even what the fighters like themselves i mean we we like to watch exciting fights and we like being in them you know they're fun but the longevity and the intelligence of our career goes uh by the skills that we have the ability to hit and not get hit uh now they'll say rigando moves and doesn't even hit but i mean he hit enough to beat nonito donaire and 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 those likes and be a world champion for year for a few years so uh, i wouldn't criticize him and i wouldn't force him to be toe to toe. That's just not his style. Not and and not and overall the Cuban style. The Cuban fighters tend to be more boxers than anything. And coming from the uh, the long Olympic program where they can't turn pro and they have to go into exile and uh, and, and get refugee status and then be able to turn pro in America or, or Germany or you know another country outside of Cuba. You know, hopefully that changes soon for them. Uh, it would be nice. You know. Those communist walls break, then you know they'll be able to to turn pro more, and and you know maybe it's a shame that we never got to see Teofilo Stevenson or or, or, or the likes, even Felix Savon. I think would have been a, 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 a an, ex, an outstanding professional. Uh, but that the the Cuban style and the pros has sort of been exposed as far as how they fight, but in the amateurs it's still effective, uh, always has been. Uh, but although I think the rest of the world is catching up on, they had a great Olympics once again, but. But there's more competition for them out there worldwide. So they're not the complete dominant country that they've always been. But for Casemiro, uh, you know, he, uh, Manny Pacquiao praised him today. And, and he's kind of the Filipi- the next Filipino star that, or the latest. And we'll see how far he goes. And speaking of that, Manny also threw a jab at uh, 
at Mayweather saying that it was like that fight, like the Mayweather fight. And again, Mayweather did not run for Pacquiao. Mayweather counterpunched and fought a smart fight. That's how he won. I had it eight rounds to four along with, you know, two of the official judges, I believe, and or, or a, a good amount of, of officials. So seven, eight, four, eight, uh, seven, five, eight, four, or nine rounds to three. That seems to be uh, kind of the, the frame. Most people within boxing, the mainstream fans might say Pacquiao beat him, but uh, then they then but then they point out to Pacquiao losing to Mayweather as the result of the shoulder injury. And when you tear a rotator cuff, I don't think you go around the press conference at post fight and shake shake a lot of people's hands. So uh, that's all I'm saying. I mean, they came out with that. And now he's throwing jabs for Mayweather running. Um, and, and they got to stop that. Mayweather is has the style that he has, and nobody should have ex- ever expected uh, that super fight to have been a toe-to-toe fight. It was either going to be Mayweather's uh, skills dominating the fight, or it was going to be Pacquiao uh, storming, kind of blitzing him, and his shot was going to be kind of early and kind of hoping he wears Mayweather out if he doesn't take him out early and hoping that he does enough damage to sustain him and maybe, you know, and, and to have forced a stoppage late. But when that didn't happen, when they came out and, uh, and Mayweather was controlling the pace early, everybody looks at that fourth round when, when Pacquiao got Mayweather against the ropes and, and went off. Had if, And they said, oh, he should have done that the whole fight. Well, if he does that, eventually there would have been counter puncher punches and body shots and everything. And, and uh, it could have been, you know, repeat of Marquez, the fourth fight, but, but Pacquiao's best opportunity was to just go crazy and do, and do all that. And it was actually the knockout of Marquez in the fourth fight. That I think made him a little cautious and conservative to had, had that fight taken place in 08 or 09 when it was supposed to, uh, I think maybe uh, Pacquiao would have had a better shot because he was more of a wild man there and he hadn't been caught in a while. But then it would have opened up the door for Mayweather to counterpunch and, and and catch him with something, and he would have maybe been the one with an impressive knockout over Pacquiao instead of Marquez. But we'll never know. But either way, I mean, there's no denying, and I don't know how you can deny Mayweather beat Pacquiao, and it wasn't running. It was he outboxed him, and he didn't run from him because he landed shots on Pacquiao, and I mean. He had to have landed to win the rounds. I mean, that's what you do. So to to have this notion that he runs away and he runs, he's got to at some point be stopping to punch and land because he won rounds and he won more rounds than Pacquiao. So uh, and then we also had uh, the the big one that got worldwide news: Nico Ali Wash, uh, grandson of Muhammad Ali, made his pro debut, first round KO over Jordan Weeks. Uh, you could think nothing could be said about it, but looking at the fight, he, he has a decent one too, and he's got something in his right hand that uh, could be special. Uh, now, he's not out. Uh, don't be surprised. He's not looking to be a world champion and be this great all-time. He's already said he wants to get to a certain point where he feels he knows he continues the legacy and he moves on, whether it's that's to get to a certain point and then get a big fight and give a good account of himself, win, lose, or draw. And for just for him to say, you know, hey, this is a way to keep the legacy. Um, so, you know, it, what, in his head, in Nico's head, he knows what it is. But when he talks about, you know, he wanted uh, his grandfather to not want him to box. And his grandfather kept giving him signs that he did want him to and to pursue it. Um, that that tells me for Nico, he, he almost doesn't want to do it, but he's doing it. And he feels a reason to do it and a need to do it. 
And that's why I don't think, you know, his goal isn't going to be to be a world champion or get a title fight and do all that. So I think it's going to be to get to an opportunity where he gets in one of these fights. He develops enough and then gets, gets thrown into one of these fights where he's the underdog. And if he either pulls off the upset or just gives a great fight, great account of himself, I think he'll he'll be happy enough to walk away after that without having pursued a world title or you know, anything like that, but we'll, you know, we'll see how dedicated he gets, but it just seems early on. And even what he said in his interviews that this is kind of a, not a gimmick, but it's just, uh, he's doing it because, uh, just to keep the legacy going, but his goals aren't like most other fighters to be a world champion and, and dominate the divisions and do all that. I, I think his, his goals is just to, to continue his legacy. And in his mind, he's going to do that by, uh, what I believe is going to be just just a, a great performance in, in, in one of these fights that he gets into one day where he's not supposed to win. He's not supposed to do anything. So, you know, but we'll see. He's off to a great start, and it was great publicity worldwide for him, and he's going to get a lot of attention no matter where he goes. going to be a very popular guy, obviously, with the name, and he just has to keep proving himself. But, you know, I, I like few things that he's going and Sugar Hill's training him. There's another legacy. This is kind of a legacy thing. You know, Emmanuel Stewart's uh, uh, son and, uh, you know, he's continuing the Kronk legacy. Everybody misses Emmanuel Stewart in the boxing business. Everybody misses Ali. Uh, so here's an opportunity to keep that going. And for the fans of the sport that might be attracted by a name, you know, if you remember Tuesday Night Fights, the, the highest rated Tuesday Night Fights was always whenever Larry Holmes or the time they had George Foreman fight on it. You know, the, you, or you get these world champions, you know, the Camachos and all that, that would fight. Uh, Roberto Duran, Duran's fights always got a lot of uh, ra- high ratings for that. So get the, the older folks that, you know, the older generation of boxing fans come back to watch a name like that. So if it brings them back to, to an event and want them wanting to see the intrigue and, and the hopes, I guess, that, and the, it, it, you know, through hopes you get the memories of all those years that they rooted for Muhammad Ali and all the years that Muhammad Ali kept the whole generation young and to get a chance to see that now, uh, just like Bob Arum, his very first promoted fight was George Avalo versus Muhammad Ali, 1966. And here he was his five, 55 years later promoting Muhammad Ali's grandson. Uh, that, that's legacy for you there. And that's something that will always bring back a lot of memories for anybody that will go watch him fight go watch Nico fight and they're going to remember the times they watched Ali fight, uh, Muhammad fight. And, uh, that's, if that keeps, uh, you know, pleasant memories alive in somebody's mind and that's a way that they can get their fix on for boxing at the same time. And it brings viewership and attendance up. I'm all for it. And I'm all for Nico's success and him pushing forward. So I wish him the best of luck. Uh, we got the week coming up, and we'll preview more of the midweek and the, and the week and the uh, the end of the week report. UFC took a break, and they'll be coming back. And then Thursday, uh, Taylor Bardello, a uh, fighter that's now at Las Vegas, but originally Taylor Stratford, uh, her maiden name. Her only amateur loss was to Ronda Rousey. She was one of the top MMA prospects as an amateur, and then she had a baby and took a few years off, and now she's back, and she's in the PFL semifinals. And so good luck to her. I'll be rooting. She fights in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And uh, wish her the best because she's that fan talent. I was always glad to see her back. Always glad that she never gave up on the dream. And now she has more of a purpose as a, as a mother. And you get those athletes like Misha Tate and, 
in in uh, Merlin Esparza in boxing, and and now uh, you know, excuse me, with Tay, uh, how can that motivate you any less? That's the one regret I had is that my son never saw me fight. None of my kids have. You know, I have a two year old. He's so he'll only know that I box through scrapbooks and memories and whatever people around town tell him. But my oldest son, Gabriel, he never saw me fight. He never went to any of my fights. He was he was young there, and my career was kind of at an end. My, my last fight was when he was two years old. So, um, But that was the one thing that I regret. If I would have had one, been able to have one more fight, one more hometown fight, I would have had him come to the ring with me. And that would have been special to have my sons watch me box. But, uh, you know, he can only see it through videos now. But I, I, I'll, I can only imagine how motivated I would have been uh, dedicating, you know, the majority of my career to to my kids uh which i was single and you know married single divorced whatever it was with but with no kids uh for most of my boxing career and uh you know i can only imagine how motivating it is because it's motivating now just to get through life and be there and dedicate things to your kids so so uh good luck to tay and 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 uh, f- that's it for that's a wrap for tonight's episode for Sports View, this is Simon Rukaba checking out. Till next time.